when the market does turn, those agents will suffer and they're usually the first to drop out of the game. They're usually the first to leave the industry and, and get on to other things because it wasn't as easy to make money. And those who are working to an internal process, which we teach a lot at Hive, they'll always prosper because you're working to an internal base of systems and standards and diligence through good and bad markets. So when the market does turn, your growth trajectory should never change. You're listening to Elevate, the official podcast of Elite Agent for real estate industry sales professionals, property managers and leaders. With thanks to our partner Connect Now, Elevate brings you the best tools, thinking and strategies to elevate your results. To get access to all of Elite Agent's premium resources, including a detailed episode guide for this podcast, visit joineliteagent.com. And for more information about how Connect Now can make moving easier on your clients, visit connectnow.com.au. Here is your host, Samantha McLean. Welcome to another episode of the Elevate Podcast, where we delve into some of the most interesting minds in business and in real estate for the very best tips and strategies for you to implement to elevate your business. I'm Samantha McLean, editor of Elite Agent and host of today's show. My guest today is Josh Morrissey, the director of Hive Property in Canberra. Josh established Hive in 2018 with a focus on doing things differently. In the last year, he's personally sold more than 252 properties while also growing the team. So, Josh, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. And thanks for coming up from Canberra. <laughs> pleasure. Absolutely. <laughs> pleasure is all mine. Trust me. Now, I was researching you in the lead up to this podcast, and I noticed that there's something that regularly makes a cameo in your marketing, and that's a Harley. Mm-hmm. I've got to ask you first up, a, a motorbike something that you've always had a passion for. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I've always ridden them. And I think when we, um, yeah, when we were trying to think of a different point of, you know, a point of difference for the brand. We wanted something that would sort of stick in people's minds. You don't usually associate bikes with with real estate. It's usually high-end cars and it's just a bit of fun. It's just a play on my personality and my personality coming through the brand. So, uh, and it worked because you brought it up. So. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. So let's talk about your real estate journey. Did mm-hmm. you choose real estate or did real estate choose you? Um, I'd have to say probably a bit of both. Um, always loved it, like every agent says, I've always loved real estate. But I think, um, yeah, I, I got into it when I was when I was young, probably 18, 18 to 20. Had a stint, like most 18 to 20 year olds, um, probably liked to party a little bit too much. So the weekends didn't suit me uh, as, as well as it should. But um, I actually gave it up, got on, got on the tools, um, did a trade for a few years, and then just was drawn back to it and been doing it ever since. So you started Hive Property in Canberra in 2018. What mm-hmm. was it that prompted you to start your own agency? I think, I think most of all, probably just seeing a hole in the market. I think in Canberra, Canberra really needed a high-end brand uh, for projects and residential. Um, and we just saw a hole there. We thought that needed to be filled, and um, we wanted fluidity with the brand. We wanted to be nimble. We didn't want a franchise. Um, we looked at doing that, um, but we wanted to create something that was completely, completely fresh, completely new, um, something people could get excited about, um, and a brand people would get excited to work for. Um, and yeah, that's that's really how it came about. Um, it's been three years now and, and going really well. So speaking of a brand that people want to work for, a mm. good friend of mine works for you, Nikki, Nikki Horner. Yes. And a lot of people in the industry know Nikki. She's what's what's it actually like to work with her? Can you give us the spill? She's the best. 
yeah, she's she's my my left arm, and Tom Wiggins, who's my other assistant, is my right arm. We say, uh, but Nikki's she's an absolute weapon. Um, she's you know we're, we're at the point now we're finishing each other's sentences, and she's two <laughs> steps ahead of me. So, um, yeah, she's 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 an asset to the team. Like you know, the the team wouldn't move, and the business wouldn't be where it is at the moment without without her as well. She's yeah, an absolute asset. Yeah, she's a good Love egg. Her. Good egg. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned somewhere that you're a bit of an anti agent, and I was wondering <laughs> if you could tell us a little bit about what that means. That that's I think that's Nikki's work there um, in the write up on the bio. Um, just referring to um, not being a cookie cut agent, I think um, I think there's a there's a bit of a, um, a I guess a bit of a perception that people have from the outside of the industry of real estate agents as a as a blanket hole, um, like some real estate agents. Sorry, guys, don't like most of you. Um, and I think I think that's you know. Um, more referring to just being down to earth. I think a lot of real estate agents struggle to find a point of difference and they struggle to, it is competitive industry, you know, um, everybody says and does the same thing. And I think agents more so uh, in this industry find it really hard to be themselves. A lot of people, you know, they see, you see a lot of the top guys operating and just try to mimic them. Um, and you, you see it all the time, a lot of, a lot of mirror copycats, but um, I, I think that's what that refers to is just agents just need to be themselves, you know, find out, just reflect, find what you're good at and just do more of that. Stop trying to do what everybody else is doing. It is tricky because I think, you know, there's so much training and stuff out there where everyone just copies everyone yeah. else and it never... It's good. It's good for a base, you know, and I think you should you should really try to align yourself with people and training um, to get the basics, but make it yours. You know, that's what we did with Hive. Um, that's what I encourage all the other agents to do um, and try to find somewhere that, aligns with where you're trying to go and what you're trying to do um, and a place that actually fans your flames um, and allows you to be yourself you know I think that's that's the most important thing because people just get caught up yeah I love the name hive actually mm. is there a story behind that it's just cool yeah, yeah. it's like see so, it feels like activity yeah, and yeah. Do, and so it's we just we just came up with it because we really liked it we just thought it was fresh and you know but when you actually the, the story we'd like to tell people is that well the, the honeycomb is actually the most geometrical shape and pattern um, in mother nature so that being said the hive is actually probably the most busiest so you look at it from the outside it's smooth like like our brand but inside we're just a bunch of crazy little bees so that's probably the backstory but originally no we just came up with it it sounded really cool it was just something fresh that is cool yeah. so so let's talk about canberra because mm. canberra canberra's auction results have been crazy for the last yeah. year really yeah. um and it's been a very stable market so sydney and melbourne have had their highs and lows mm -hmm. what's happening on the ground in canberra at the moment um, it's busy. Um, stock is actually probably a little bit, it's a bit lower than what it usually is. Um, but obviously interest rates are driving, I wouldn't say panic spending, but it is, it is driving, um, the urgency in the market. Um, and I think too, um, reflective of that, you've got a lot of agents that are, and Nick is actually on the back end of this. So you've got, Nick is actually trying to buy a house and she's reaching out to multiple agents at the moment, trying to buy a place. Um, and agents, they've just got so many inquiries. They're so busy. They're just not getting back to anybody. Um, and that's probably just a lesson, lesson to anybody listening that, um, in a good market, anyone can make money and anyone can sell a house. But when it turns, um, you know, that's when you really need to be diligent because people like Nikki, who's trying to buy a house at the moment, agents aren't even getting back to her because there's so many buyers out there. Um, property's turning over, but obviously everything, nothing lasts forever. Um, but it, it's 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 busy. There's in terms of records, I think we've actually the last 12 months calendar uh, financial year, sorry, um, we've broken more suburb records than any other agency 
in Canberra, um, which is uh, no mean feat. I don't think any agency's ever done it out of the gates. Um, and that's, but that's every weekend. You know, every weekend there's another record getting broken. Yeah. Um, just because, yes, yeah, stock is low and, um, you know, demand is really high. So That is interesting what you say at the moment because I've, I've had a couple of chats to Nikki about her search mm. for a house and, and, and I think it's a very common problem out there at the moment where the underbidder misses out and then doesn't hear from anyone again. Yeah. But the market will turn again, right? It will. And I think, you know, when the market does turn, those agents will suffer. You know, because, you know, those who have been diligent now in a hot market and we always talk about there's an inter- internal process and an industry process. And I think, that you know, like we're talking about, you know, a lot of the general training, everyone, you know, we talk to most owners, they feel like most agents are just coming off a conveyor, but we're all saying the same thing. We're all trying to get to the same place and no point of difference. The industry process, that that's that, that's probably where I'm getting at with the anti-agent. I think that's the perception that people that people are getting at is that we're all saying the same thing. There's a lot of underquoting getting around. Um, and there's and I think that's probably more due to poor training and, and poor leadership probably where a lot of these people are actually working. Um, and that's just, that's transcending through the market into, into bad service. And I think when the market does turn, those agents will suffer and they're usually the first to drop out of the game. They're usually the first to leave the industry and, and get on to other things because it wasn't as easy to make money. And those who are working to an internal process, which we teach a lot at Hive, they'll always prosper because you're working to an internal base of systems and standards and diligence through good and bad markets. So when the market does turn, your growth trajectory should never change. And I think that's really important. People not getting back to people. Like mm. it, it also just comes down to, oh my God, I'm just too busy. If yeah. I had 10 cents for every every agent <laughs> yeah. that said right now, oh, I'm so busy. Yeah, um, not, you're never too busy. Yeah. I was, I was going to say, yeah. how, do you, how do you make the time to make sure that you get back to those people? Um, so some advice I give um, young agents coming through is work in blocks and prioritise. And there's there's a good example. We say if I if I was to give you a hundred grand, say Sam, I need you to crank out a hundred calls by lunchtime. And if you do it, I give you hundred grand. You're going to get those hundred calls done. It's priority and urgency, you know. And I think, you know, people mistake being busy with momentum. You know, you can dig a hole and fill a hole all day. You've been busy, but you've achieved nothing. It's a similar thing. And I think working in blocks is really good. You know, I don't I do not do any appointments before one o'clock. So I'll make sure that if I've got any calls that need to go out, I do them before, you know, say nine and 11 when my brain's fresh. I know when my peak times are. So I do that and then clean up my emails middle of the day. And then after one, that's when I'd be out doing deals. Yeah. Interesting. So you're sort of managing energy managing rather energy. than time. Yeah. yeah. And, when, and working, you know, and that's another thing that we talk about a lot at Hive is, is operating, operating time and thinking time. Don't think in money and dollars, you know, don't focus on the pennies and the cents. Focus on the time because the time is a thing that you can quantify. You can't, you know, money always doesn't come back the way it should. And you're so right. If if, if someone said to me $100,000 to sit there and make 100 calls. You do 200. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, every yeah. day, yeah. every day of the week. It's just it's- priorities. And then it's just, and I think just having the intent to do it. And I think um, it just comes back to your why, you know, what your purpose is and, and being organized as well. I think a lot of agents aren't organized. You know, yeah. Just, <laughs> just got to do it. <laughs> Let's just call Suck it. Suck the lemon first and get out of the way, you know. Yeah. So speaking of, of systems and leading people, mm. uh, we ask um, experienced leaders at, such as yourself mm-hmm. a set of questions called yep. the Leadership Diaries. So I thought it might be cool to um, to, to run through those with you just mm-hmm. to help out people who might be thinking sure. about leadership or going to their own business. Yep. So are you ready? Uh-huh. Yep. Okay. So what was your first job and what did it teach you? My first job would have been, I would have been 16 working at Superbun, I think, just on the checkout. 
And to be honest, it probably taught me that I didn't want to work in a shop. It probably taught me there and then that I was going to be a businessman and an entrepreneur. And um, that's actually probably what it taught me. Obviously, the shop on time and, you know, all the other ethics that come with work. But it probably just taught me what I don't want to do and where I want to go yeah. early on. Yeah, I always knew really young. Wanted to be your own boss. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> me Very, too. Yeah. So what is one common myth about leadership, particularly in this industry, that you'd like to set straight? I'd have to say people probably think it's easier than what it is. Um, and there's a big difference between being a boss and being a leader. And I think if you're going to take on the responsibility of being a leader, you really need to look at what it entails. And I think you really need to take it holistically and seriously. And I think if you're going to do that, you really need to start with yourself, look at yourself where you need to improve before you start setting out to go and impact the lives of others. You need to make sure you're the best version of yourself and you've got a plan. Um, that, that's probably the biggest one. I think the big difference between between those two. Do you think some people get to the leadership position and then think, all right, I've oh, made it. Now I can, yeah. now I can just do yeah. whatever I like. Yeah. And, and I, 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 yeah, I do. Yeah. And I think it's ever evolving. And I think, you know, your culture is mirrored by the buying that you have on yourself and, and, and your leadership. And I think your business will always reflect that, you know, um, but I think, you know, yeah. And, and I think knowing your, you, you really need to know your why in business as well. Um, and I, I think you need to always have that driving force and intent behind what you're doing. So let's talk routines. You mm. talked a little bit about your routine earlier. So what does the first hour of your day look like? Are, are you like a 5am clubber or? No, 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 no. I don't drink. So actually I just did 12 months sober, which is really good. Probably the best 12 months of my life. Um, well, I've got two kids now, so I've, when I was obviously when I started real estate, my, my morning routine was very different. Um, now I've got a two and a half year old and an eight week old. So um, for me, um, I need I need exercise to keep my mind centered. So that's my outlet. Um, so five a.m. for me, wake up at five, straight to the gym, back at home, um, back at home, break it with the, break it with the kids, kids or one to daycare, um, and then off to work, uh, and then it's just calls, emails, and then the structure we spoke about. Who are three people that have been influential to you in your career and, mm. and why? To be honest, I've probably only got one. Um, and that's prob that's Marty Fox. You, you all probably know him. Keep seeing him in socks, but he won't wear them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll make sure he gets a pair on. Um, yeah, I never really gravitated towards anyone, unfortunately. You know, I didn't really have good role models. I think that's why, you know, I moved only only hopped a couple of brands until I started my own, but I never really gravitated towards anyone that reflected where I was trying to go, you know, um, until I met Marty. Um, and yeah, learn a lot from him. We're really good mates. Um, and it's probably probably the only one I would say and, and still ongoing. Yeah. What's the big lesson that you've learned from Marty? Because he's very popular out there, isn't he? Like lots of people follow him he and is, stuff. But a misconception of it, he is what he is what you see, you know. He's not um, it's not put on, you know, he's, I think, I think the biggest thing that I've learned and continue to learn is, is the priority and the balance. It's family first with him and same with me. I think that's why we gravita gravitated towards each other, I guess, because we're both, you know, he started his business two years before me when he had Freddie. So newborn, new business, all crazy, all new things to learn. And we were the same with James. So there was a lot of parallels between us, we're born a week apart and all this other weird stuff, but um, just learning how to manage that. And obviously he's got a marketing business attached to his business and he's, you know, and the advocacy and, and a bunch of other stuff, but just how to continue your growth trajectory while 
being a good husband, good dad, good leader, good mate, and just staying balanced. Because I think that's that's probably the most important thing. The business, if, you, if you're taking care of yourself, the business will take care of itself, you know. You have a young family. Mm. Um, how do you manage to, um, you know, I don't think it's called work-life balance anymore. I no. think it's called work-life integration or it something yeah, like yeah. that. But yeah, how yeah. do you manage being a good dad with um, being a just, great leader? Just priorities, you know, and I think it's it's holistic. I look at success, it, it's a holistic mindset, you know, and I think success for me just isn't business, you know, and I think it's it's all aspects of life. It's health, it's family, it's business. Um, and I think if you're trying to do the best in each, it will complement the other, you know, and I think that's how I balance it, you know, and just priorities. And I think where I really struggled was to, I really struggled to switch off. I think that was my biggest, I think that's what most, most business people just really hard to switch off and just be present. Um, and that's, that took work. That was probably the hardest thing to do, to be honest. And it's probably resonating with a lot of people at the moment because that was the hardest thing to do is actually to switch the phone off. I'm home at six o'clock every night now, you know, to have dinner with the kids and my brain's still ticking, but I just, the phone goes down as much as I can, you know, and just be present and enjoy, just enjoy time with the, the people around you because there's no point riding millions of bucks and, you know, just blasting through the market when... You can't just sit down and enjoy it with your, your family. family. Yeah, you know, what's the point? So do you have a tip on, you know, for some people that are sort of thinking, no, I cannot live without my phone for an hour? Put it down. Put it down. And I don't – that's another thing in my morning routine. I do not look at my phone until I'm, you know, obviously use it for music in the gym, but I don't – nothing work-related until I'm in the office. Um, because I think you're starting on – you're starting on um, – you know, you're starting the day – um, on the defensive, you know, um, you're, you're looking at an email, you're, you're trying to problem solve before you've even woken up. Um, and it's, you know, the cortisol is running a million miles an hour. It's just not a good way to start the day. So just, just turn it down, lock it in a box, get rid of it. It's not healthy. Yeah. I yeah. agree with that actually. Yeah. It's, it's that, you know, that hour of the morning that you should protect, I think intensely yeah. like that first hour, yeah. because otherwise you start Sets reacting to yeah. other people's It does. And problems. it's, it, it sets your day, you know, and I think how you, and I, you know, morning routine, I used to, I used to try to meditate. I, used to, I tried a lot of different things. Different things are going to work for different people, but it sets your day. If you win the morning, you win the day. You win the day, you win the week, you win the week, you win the month, so on and so forth. So all starts at 5 a.m. So who are you learning from right now? Just be Marty. It's business. Marty. It just Marty. Marty, you're getting a plug, mate. Um, <laughs> I'd say in terms of business, just Marty. I got a lot of I got a lot of other business ventures and other things going on that I learn from. Um, but directly in real estate, definitely be Marty. Marty and Aiden. Aiden actually from White Fox Marketing, um, which is the other arm of, of their business. Um, we learn a lot from those guys from the marketing end. Um, yeah, I'd say those two for sure. So they do marketing as well for because their marketing is very impressive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So and they're, like they're just uh, they're a world class marketing service that sells real estate essentially. Um, but yeah, so they've got a, they've got obviously a high end property arm and um, and the marketing arm which do you know just marketing for your for your general clients. Uh, but they're just phenomenal humans, you know. And Aiden as well, um, he's a really good person that we've learned from. But just brilliant people, you know, like brilliant people that transfer over to really brilliant businessmen, you know, and I think that's that's why we gel. And I think too, if, if anyone listening that's looking to start their own brand or their own business or franchise or just get into real estate is just align yourself with people that you either look up to that are doing better than you or, you know, um, doing what you would like to do and align yourself with those guys and just sponge it up and learn, learn as much as you can. 
um, they'll be few and far between, but you'll know them when you find them. So looking back, what do you think has been your biggest learning experience mm. as a leader? Probably just how much you learn about yourself, I'd say. Um, just how much you learn about yourself as a whole. I think you constantly you constantly have to be working on yourself so others can benefit from it. You know, you really do. You really have to be evolving and pushing yourself and leading from the front so that your your, your team will follow, you know, and it, and it's it's every day, it's every minute, it's it's ever evolving. You can't keep you you can't take your foot off the gas. Um, so that's probably the biggest thing. Just more more about what you learn about yourself, I would say. Yeah. Always be learning too. Always be learning and be open to learning. Be open minded. You know, don't be close minded. You, and you've got to be nimble. You've got to be ready to move and make cho- make decisions quick. Um, and just be open to it. But yeah, definitely. So what's the most important thing you're working on right now and how are you making it happen? I've got a lot of a lot of other business ventures going on, houses and property and other bits and pieces. But to be honest, it's probably just um, working on that, being present. You know, that's probably the biggest thing. It's probably internal. It's not the business stuff. It's just actually enjoying it, you know, enjoying life and just being present with the family, enjoying my enjoying my team, enjoying what we're doing um, and actually just smelling the roses. Things are just moving at such a blistering speed you blink and a week's gone, you blink and a month's gone and you just, you don't even take time to appreciate what you're doing. So I'd definitely say that. Yeah. Do, just you think, do you think sometimes with agents, you know, maybe they spend a whole lot of time thinking, oh, I'll get to this GCI level and yeah. then I want to buy a car and then they buy, then they it's, get there and then it's like, because huh, yeah. they've forgotten yeah. that. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think it's two things. Most people spend 90% of time thinking and 10% doing. And the other one is a really good saying that success without fulfillment is the ultimate failure. So you've got to have, you've got to have that sense of fulfillment along the way. Um, and that comes back to, you know, your why and why you're doing it. You know, I think it's really important not losing sight of it because then you're not enjoying the journey. All the, all the money in the world is not going to make it, you know, it's not going to solidify it. You're just going to have more money. That's a very stoic view on life that, yeah. you know, reminds me of Ryan Holiday's book. Yeah. Um, so what's your favorite question to ask someone in a job interview and what does it tell you about the person? Ah, it's a good one. Um, back to, I'd have to say it's what is your why? I'm really big on that. I think success is your why reverse engineered. So I think if you can ask somebody what their why is and they, they should know it, um, it's really easy to get a gauge of that person where their head's at, where they want to go. And then you can help put plans in place to get them there as well. Everybody's got different whys and different goals. Um, and I want people in my business that have a very clear path of where they want to go. And I want to help them get there. They're all they're always going to be different. Um, and I think that's the other thing too. We always look we look for shepherds, not sheep. You know, we want leaders. We want people with a clear vision. Um, so definitely that, um, because you can't hit a target, you can't see. I'm really big on big on that. Um, but yeah, I definitely have to say, what is your why? That's the best one. And that'll answer every question that I have. Does it also tell you whether you can, whether you're going to be able to work with that person yeah. or not? Yeah. And it's, you, you're going to get an honest answer, you know, it's an honest question. It's an honest answer and you can't, you can't bullshit it, you know, like, and I think if you don't know, if you don't know what your why is, and that's probably something for people listening. If you, if you really don't know, get a pen and paper and figure it out because, you know, that's, you're not going to get to where you want to go if, if you're not super, if you can't see it in the mind's eye, 
you're not going to get there. For me, I, I remember it being like a real process of mm. asking myself the question, why do I want to do this? Well, to earn a dollar, why do I want to earn <sighs> yeah. a dollar? And just keep asking yourself, why, 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 until you finally get to... Yeah. Because a lot of people say, oh, I, I want options, but why do you want options? Yeah. Well, why dictates how. So if you know why, how will just take care of itself, you know? You've got to be clear. And if you're not, get a pen and paper and figure it out because until you do, you're not. You're going to be going in circles. So what does leadership at home look like? <laughs> um, so Sam's the boss yep. at home. Oh, good oh, name. I've got a Sam. Yep. <laughs> she's, um, she's definitely the boss at home. Um, leadership at home, we just we really involve parents. we just two boys, love being around them, try to set a good example, really active. Um, yeah. But leadership at home, I'm probably, I'm probably last. Probably come after the dogs. Probably Sam, the two boys, the two dogs. I'm probably somewhere down the end, um, to be honest. Who was it that said that leaders eat last? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. It's a good quote. Yeah, true. How do you motivate people when listings are tight? Like you just mm. mentioned a bit earlier that volumes are still a little bit low in yeah. Canberra. Canberra, sorry. That's, that's again, back to your why. You know, I always remind them, guys, what's your why? Why are you doing it? You know, and I think... You can never lose sight of that, you know, and then don't default to, you know, don't default to the industry process. Stick to your internal process. Don't fall into dropping your comms. Don't fall into um, just buying listings over, you know, underquote, overquoting, I should say. Um, don't don't buy into any of that. I think, and that comes back to your training and your diligence and, and your capabilities as an agent. Like you really should be able to quantify your value to the person sitting across the other end, under the other end of the table in any market. And, I th- and all storms pass, you know, and I think people get so clouded in what's in front of them because it's stressing them out right now, it's going to pass, you know, and I think if you stay consistent and that's why your standards are really important, you know, habits are good, but standards set habits. So make sure that you're, you know, you're raising your standards for yourself. So you've got, con- you've got good habits setting good routine, you know, and if, and that routine compounds into consistency. And if you're constantly doing all of that, if things are tight, it's going to compound and it's going to turn. But you've got to just stay consistent. You know, raise your standards with yourself and just don't deviate from it. I think, and just remember your why. Like, why are you doing it? Because you need that. You need that why, and you need that intent behind the why to push you through the shit times. Because there's a lot of them in real estate. It's yeah, up and down. Yeah, up and down like a yo-yo. So, and just remind them to just have intent, and you know, and just remind them of the caliber of people that they are. What are the sorts of things, you know, you just said sell your value. What are the sorts of things you're finding um, from consumers that they're really valuing from an agent right now? It's honesty. Like, I think the difference with us, the, the difference in our business is actually by the way that we negotiate. So we we transact we transact about 150k higher than any agency in Canberra, um, pound for pound with the most with the highest performing agency now in Canberra. Break all the records, all that stuff. But it, it's, Canberra is super competitive. It is too, super so competitive. Congratulations! Thank you. Yeah. Very proud of the team. But it's it's done. I think the difference now from the consumer side of things, it's done from an educational and a transparent platform. You're not buying listings. You're not going just doing the the stock standard industry process. You're really quantifying your value and positioning yourself as the conduit to the result for the consumer. They need to know that you're you can quantify your value to them to charge what you're going to charge to get them to where they need to go. And it's that forms trust equity, which is one of the biggest things that we're always harping on about. But it's the same thing with the buyer. So you need to be able to quantify your value and your positioning and always position yourself with both as a conduit for the buyer to get to where they need to go for the property and for the seller. 
you know, to the market to get them to where they need to be. Um, and I think that's, yeah, that's the biggest thing. I recently did a webinar with Will Ainsworth, who's a bit of a legend, and, yep. and he actually, in his appraisal meeting, he actually did this um, demonstration of a negotiation yeah. to the to the vendor. Yeah. It's like that old expression, you know, don't tell me you're funny, make me laugh. And and, yeah. and I said to him, that's amazing. So you do that. You, yeah. used, you used to do that. Yeah. yeah. And I think you need to be able to walk the walk. And I think that's the other thing that's a lot of people talk the talk. You need to really be able to, and you need to level up. Like we're a hybrid business. So we're a project and resi business. So we've got transferable skills that help us negotiate and tighten up quantifiable value right at the top end. So if there's a hundred grand or, a, you know, two, 300 grand gap that needs to get bridged from what the data says to what the owner wants, generally most of the time we can get it because we can quantify that value back to the buyer using different skill sets. So we're not, and I think that anti-agent thing is probably going back to not being a one-dimensional agent. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So um, I actually just, I had a hotel that I got under offer, it fell over because ACT Health leased it for six months, but I put a $73 million deal together with a hotel. Never sold a hotel hotel before in my life, but I pulled the skill sets from projects, resi and commercial deals that I was doing and it's all transferable. And I think, you know, and that that's probably the other thing for agents as well is level up and, you know, um, in terms of your training, there's so many different areas in real estate that you can draw experience from. They're all very different, like project sales and resi sales are vastly different. But if you can do both, you're going to excel better in both if you can get a handle on aspects of each. Um, and that compounds, that, that compounds in your skill set. And I think if you're, a, if you're a seller sitting on the other side of the table, you'd want to know, you, you'd want to know from the agent that they can quantify that value to you. And you as the agent need the runs on the board and the experience to be able to actually demonstrate that like your mate did um, for them to go, okay, that makes sense. Data says this, I want this, you're saying that. And it's, and it's educational. And I think if you're, if, you're, if you're starting that process with a seller from an educational standpoint, when, it, when the time comes to have a hard conversation, if you've got the hot zone, the cool zone, sorry, the cool zone, the warm zone, the hot zone, um, and data might not reflect where they want to be, but you know, if you're if you're having an honest, transparent conversation around um, and an education one around like where they're positioned, and where they want to go, and the skill sets you possess to be able to bridge, and you've got to demonstrate the gap. And the best thing to do is just be honest. You want two mil? It's worth one point seven. We've got to make up three hundred k. This is what I've done in the past. Here's some other examples of what I did. The, the owners wanted similar data, didn't reflect it, but this is how I did it: X, Y, and Z. But then it's the same with the buyer. If the buyer doesn't want to pay it, well, you've got to be able to demonstrate to them that it's worth what the seller wants or find the, find the price in the middle. You know, and I think the quicker you can do that and the quicker you can make information like that digestible to a consumer um, in, those, in those meetings, it just forms such a, a base of trust. And that trust equity are your leverage points in a negotiation. And that's, that's where you can quantify value and, and pull prices up. And I think too that's that goes back to you know when the market when the markets flatten out and they it, you know and it, I wouldn't say tanks but when it flattens out and things get a little bit harder, you, the good agents that have vast skill sets like that will always, you know, will always go really well. Yeah, you can tell. Like even even the dialogue you were just using then, yeah. uh, I sort of felt like if I was the vendor, you were working really hard for me. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. And it's, it's not just flipping through a yeah pack one, pack two, yeah, and yeah, you know yeah. this one one two three Smith Street sold for this, and we'll let the universe decide what it's worth. You know, at the end of the day, um, you, you you really need to. You, I think that's the other thing too. Agents forget their position in the deal. You're the conduit to the result. You know, and these guys are putting million-dollar assets in your hands, um, 
And if they want a couple of hundred grand more than what the one next door sold for, well, your job is to get it. Um, and obviously the buyer wants to feel like they got a good deal too, but it's, and, and I think too, that's where, that's where the project side of things really help our business, I think, um, across the board. I think that's, that's what's really resulted in a lot of, a lot of these records because it's that, last, it's that last push for the, for that top end of the price. It, it comes from a different skill set. It's not just the chuck it up for auction and, and hope. You can't, you can't plan on hope. <laughs> Hope's not a strategy. <laughs> Hope's yes. not a strategy. A Some, lot of, yeah. Someone taught me that, yeah. yeah. Um, I, was just, I was just about to ask you what words of advice would you have for younger agents starting out in this market, but I think you've just given one cracking piece of advice, yeah. which is to get experience in all different yeah. uh, types of real estate. Yeah. But beyond that, is there any other sort of <sighs> yeah. advice you give? Just number one, be yourself. It's really hard when you, you, you know, it's all new. You're learning a new language, a new industry. You're trying to find your place, all that stuff. But be yourself. I think um, just learn as much as you can. The basics of Tom Panos, the Josh Vegas, all that stuff's great starting out just to get structure. I used to work in, tri- like what I used to do, I actually used to work like in triangles. So I'd pick three suburbs and I'd work, it's like, like trying to cr- triangulate a signal. Like how, you know, if the police are trying to find your mobile phone, yeah. same thing. So if you can like, <laughs> if you can, and I'd always op- operate in triangles because it gave me, it gave me a three point uh, understanding of, you know, value within a region rather than just a suburb so that I could hop between two and then that comp- that would actually compound, that would 3X, that would compound times three as opposed to just being an area expert. I could move between the areas. So I always made sure I had, I always made sure I just, you know, I operated you know, outside of just one particular area. Um, so that's that's something too. Like just think outside the box. Like if you're just starting out, don't just do what everyone else is doing. Do the bits that that work. Um, you know, you get, get the basic structure that you can, but add your spin to it. You know, I think just let your personality come through, but have a plan as well. And I think whatever you're doing now, add 20% to it, you know, at work. When you think that you're, when you think that you're tired, pick up the phone and make another hundred. I think, you need to outwork yourself. And I think your, your internal dialogue as an agent, you know, mine was always, you know, it was just never stop, never stop, never stop. But just, I outworked myself, you know, and I think that's probably the biggest thing. I don't think, I think don't get deterred. I think it's a marathon, not a sprint, like you'd hear in a lot of training podcasts and all the rest, but it really truly is, you know, and I think the effort, if you take the time and the, the, the care and the diligence to invest in yourself and, and the right knowledge and the right people, you know, and the right training and you're proactive and not reactive to the market, You'll, you'll, you'll go well, you know, and I think, and be honest, treat people, it's a people business. The houses are just the commodity. Don't focus on the money and the cars and all the bullshit. Focus on doing a good job, creating reputation for yourself. Become elite, you know, become the best at what you do. You've got to get up anyway. So you may as well just get up and be the best, you know. Don't get up and be 60% of yourself. Get up and be 100% of yourself, you know. And I think be strict with yourself and you know, working your blocks is really good starting out um, and don't procrastinate. You know, that's probably the, that's another really big one. No one likes making cold calls. No one likes door knocking. Just get out and do it, you know, because the reward's on the other side of it. You get rewarded for doing the hard shit, you know, and I think that's that's really important. And just bite-sized pieces as well. It's probably the last little bit, you know. Have a big plan, but just day by day, week by week. Don't think as you've had a shit week, your whole year's going to go to custard. Just bite-sized pieces, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day and there's a lot to learn, you know, like to get to the top level and to get to probably where a lot of these guys want to get to that are just starting out. Um, it takes time, you know, but just be, be clear about where you want to go, you know, and I think that's, that's probably the big thing that no one told me when I started out is 
you know, just be, be super clear and surround yourself with good people. You just mentioned a couple of good resources and coaches and things like that, mm. but are there any other books or non-real estate things that you think have been really useful? Um, depends what your so for me real estate is it, for me real estate's a conduit to other things you know so um, a lot of the books I listen to uh, you know sort of a lot of mindset a lot of wealth creation the Robert Kiyosaki books all the rich dad poor dad books are great think um, think big and grow rich is another really good book um, and you just look at any any real estate podcast for people just I think starting out are great. Um, the Mindset Mentor is a really good one just for some day-to-day, you know, keep you centered. Um, there's heaps, you know, and I think just find one that works for you. Everyone's going to gravitate towards different stuff. But Well, Josh, it's been wonderful talking to you today. Pleasure. And thank you for coming in here and sharing some of your knowledge and your experience with us. I'm sure everyone's going to get a lot out of it. No if there was one last thing that you'd like to leave um, listeners with, what would it be? I think I'd just have to say, if you're going to get into real estate or into business or a leadership role, um, Again, just know your why. Be really, really clear. If you're going to take on a leadership role um, within your team or within your business, um, I think just just do it with intent, and I think do it with a plan, um, and just know that your actions your, your actions do affect uh, the people working for you. So I think if you're going to go in, go all in. You know, don't do it half half hearted. Um, and just enjoy the ride. Yeah, amazing, Josh Morrissey. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Elevate podcast with thanks to connectnow.com.au. Don't forget to get access to all of Elite Agent's premium resources, including a detailed episode guide for this podcast. Visit joineliteagent.com. 